1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. Today, we're speaking with Tim DeRitter and Sahar Mansour. Uh, They wrote a book called Bare Necessities, How to Live a Zero Waste Life. Welcome to the show, Tim and Sahar.
0: Thanks so much for having us.
1: So I want to know all about your book and uh, what's really cool right now. um, And let's shout out to the amazingness of technology, because Tim is actually joining us from Australia at the same time that Sahar is joining us from India. And then I'm here in Canada, kind of near Toronto. Uh, So that's really cool that we can all have this conversation. Uh, So we're going to talk all about uh, the book, first of all. So I'm not sure who wants to start, but... um, yeah, let us know. Let us know what this book is all about. Yeah, so,
0: so uh, Ben Necessities, uh, "How to Lead a Zero Waste Life" is published with Penguin, and essentially, it is a one-stop shop to kind of talk through all of the ways that you can live a low-impact lifestyle. So it kind of starts with your personal care routine, so really an aspect of your life that you have full control over. To then aspects that are more communal, like zero waste kitchen, and then kind of moves on to a much bigger concepts of cities, communities. Um, and how you might travel. And um, essentially, you know, we've tried to weave in lots of local examples of things that are native to um, Asia, India, and also kind of share recipes. Um, Shout out to big enterprises doing amazing things, some that might not have like a big digital footprint, or you might not, you know, stumble upon on Instagram, but really highlighting and showcasing amazing local examples of people that are kind of change makers in that space, whether that's you know, recycling footwear or creating clothes swaps or creating composting bins and things like that. Um, So yeah, that's a little bit about the book. And it just published, um, you know, in Feb. So we're newbies into this world of um, being authors?
1: Yeah, it's a new book. It just came out in February. And so you can find this pretty much wherever books are available. Uh, It looks like um, you, you said that people are recycling shoes.
0: Yeah, this is one example that we highlighted in the book called Green green Soul. And essentially, they take your old footwear, they refurbish it, and they kind of donate it to people that might need footwear. Um, And in India, you know, we do have uh, huge communities that could really use that access. Um, So, yeah, that's just one, you know, one example among many that are highlighted in the book.
1: That is so cool. That's a, a good idea. It's amazing to think about how many shoes are on the planet. If you think of, you know, the seven, seven to 8 billion people here. And, and most of us have shoes and some of us have, you know, many, many pairs, right? Um, it's interesting to think about these things. Tim, have you lived in India as well?
2: Um, I can possibly provide uh, a perspective that's sort of outside of India, but has lived in India as well. So i uh, Book itself, we've written it, um, Sahara and myself, for an Indian audience and try to provide it sort as of a unique book in for South Asia. So there hasn't actually been a zero waste book at all before um, uh, for the market, which was a really exciting thing to be a part of. I'm from Australia, but I was um, working in India uh, for some time, uh, including working alongside Sahara at her social enterprise uh, based in Bangalore. And um, during that time, the, we were working and running a number of workshops and events and really interacting with communities across the country. So uh, from a range of age groups, including so school children, corporate offices, um, groups in cafes, uh, sort of climate action groups as well, just a really uh, great mix. And we kept finding that there are lots and lots of uh, similar questions, no matter where we were based in the country and getting around to visit to sort of share this knowledge uh, so some of the questions may be how do we re- um, reduce waste in this area of life or how do we say travel sustainably and that kind of thing so what we um, sort of realized was that we wanted to share this knowledge to a far greater extent than what we could do as individuals or the larger team of the business uh, by running workshops because we could only ever be in one room at a time so we decided to go and create a zero waste guidebook at the same time as creating an online zero waste course and the way that we approached it was to sort of have a layer or staged approach Uh, so starting off of entering the topic of uh, zero waste circular economy sustainability those kind of um, areas as the intimate parts of your life so initially uh, looking at things like your bathroom or your closet, and these are the chapter breakdowns as well. So those first steps each morning when you wake up, it's like how much waste do you produce with say cleaning your teeth or or using soap as well, Uh, whether you're purchasing fast fashion items or looking at long-term sustainable areas. And then from that, uh, moving up to more communal areas of, of your home, so thinking of in the kitchen or any of your gifting choices, and maybe even broader to sort of the community extent as well. Um, and then lastly, into really global areas, so places that are slightly outside of in individuals' um, power to control a lot of things. So, talking those city and uh, global travel scale uh, waste reductions. And the way that we wanted to sort of approach it in that sort of step-by-step method, both for the book and the online courses, um, essentially the uh, flow is the same. The book just goes far more in-depth because of those kind of questions and queries we gain from those workshops and talks. Uh, We've sort of approached it that way to highlight and illustrate to the reader that they can sort of make this huge change at an individual level and sort of roll that forward with their lessons and learnings. Uh, So whether you're looking to compost for the first time and then how you can sort of use those lessons about reducing waste in a kitchen by um, minimising the amount of organic products you you may be um, throwing into the bin and trying to use a compost bin, um, composting, a composter, I should say. Um, as an alternate, and then looking about how you could use those same fundamental ideas of trying to think about sustainable practices at a community level. So that could be using public transport instead of, say, aspiring to drive your own um, car, um, interacting with friends or family, say, on a metro or a train line, um, just in terms of how that actually has a larger effect and can really benefit the environment as a whole. So it's kind of a um, flow process to really empower and engage the reader that we wanted to go about. Uh, the other big plus as well, um, I mentioned that I'm from outside India, from Australia, as my accent probably shows. We've also intertwined or interwoven his first-person narrative throughout the book. Uh, So it's a really great way to understand Indian context. So whether that's thinking about things like uh, bazaar or uh, tiffin boxes or um, different levels of society, how uh, locations throughout the country are quite different and unique in themselves and how each little location, uh, whether that's a state or a town uh, or um, different regions of the country have their own solutions and lots and lots of people looking to develop them and that's one of the big things that Sahar's first person narrative has really enabled which is fantastic to sort of uh, write with her um, and share with the audience as well on top of that we've also sort of provided lots of activities and tips and tricks along with uh, at the end of each chapter of those stage sections, I was saying, a zero-waste library, we've termed it, uh, which is sort of this large toolkit of, or resource um, where there'll be things like zero-waste recipes or names of organisations for uh, or individuals of people of all those businesses that are doing really great things in the space in India. And what we've tried to do as well, is sort of um, demonstrate or provide options for the reader in different locations. So it doesn't matter whether you'll be based in, say, a western city like Mumbai or in Kolkata or northwest um, or northeast India or southern. Um, We've really tried to provide examples of um, great role models to aspire to or use resources from. So that could be access to something like a, a stainless steel straw, or a composter, as I mentioned before, and really just providing that uh, sort of large, unique um, toolkit or package in this form of the guidebook is really something we've really tried to do to provide that uh, sort of first of its kind book for India, which is really great for me to be involved in, having worked there for a couple of years and sort of um, still a bit of a rookie in the space compared to um, so here, who's obviously from Bangalore, and knows it very, very well. So really happy to share this knowledge with everyone on the podcast and uh, more so with anyone who picks up the book. So, yeah, hopefully everyone enjoys it.
1: It sounds like a great book. Can you tell us a little bit about the ethical sourcing of material? Because I saw this is something that you're interested in as well. So are there industries there of people making things and thinking about sustainability right from... The beginning of making the product?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. Laura. Thanks so much. So at accessories we actually make zero waste products, and we ethically source raw materials, um, really supporting kind of farmers and other small artisans. Um, so essentially, we try and celebrate Indian ingredients through how we source. So you know, we use lavender from Kashmir, which is kind of north of India. We use turmeric. We use cocoa butter from this amazing um, enterprise that is a woman-run uh, cooperative that makes chocolate, and a byproduct is that cocoa butter. Um, so really, we try and mirror those values that we articulate, um, and uh, you know, we also use textile scraps to use, to make all of these upcycled kind of zero waste pouches and things like that. Um, and definitely, we have like a huge emphasis on how we ethically source all of our raw materials. Uh, because we, as far as possible, want to kind of live those environmental values that we, you know, talk about, preach about. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about Ben Necessities as an enterprise.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Are these things available for purchase around the world or specifically in India? Yeah, it's
0: available for purchase um, on our website, BairNecessories.in. It's just, I think yeah. sometimes the shipping costs can be prohibitive for people who aren't living in India. Um, so that's that. But um, if you know there are any other bulk stores that want to source our products, we definitely partner with them as well to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been trying to grow some lavender here. You mentioned that, and it's it's a a difficult thing to grow. I don't think it likes growing here very much. But it's amazing how many things you can grow in India, and all the fruit and veggies and. Um, I think you have like good growing seasons because it's warmer, right? So there must be such a good variety of, of food and, and healthy food, right? Um, do you, do you go into food at all in your book? Yeah, absolutely. And
0: you're right, you know, because we're so blessed with so many seasons and also uh, kind of geographically, we've got the mountains, we've got the rivers, we've got the lakes, we've, you know, got everything. Um, so we do actually touch upon food because honestly, food is one kind of way that we all kind of connect with each other and humans and, you know, really kind of you know establish these social bonds through food. Um, and yeah, we definitely talk about how we can live in a more zero waste manner. And we actually kind of celebrate India through the book in terms of kind of the bazaars, right? They're super accessible. India is the land of small entrepreneurs um, in every corner of the road you will just find someone selling guava or um, passion fruit or tender coconut water or like fresh produce. Um, So we definitely do talk about how in the zero waste movement, perhaps, you know, the idea of the mason jars and bulk stores are kind of um, glamorized, but they might not be as accessible. They might be like in one odd neighborhood in Brooklyn or whatever. Um, But in India, it's really everywhere. And um, the idea of through the book is to kind of articulate and celebrate all of the amazing local traditional ideas um, and about how zero waste has really been in our Indian DNA for so long. Um, So that's kind of things that we do touch upon. Of course, we talk about composting and, um, you know, reinventing your leftovers and, um, you know, going back to ceramic and steel, which we've done for many years um, in our Indian culture, especially.
1: Yeah, well, well, Tiffins are from
0: India, right? Exactly. Um, that's like, honestly, my favorite example of zero waste, because, um, you know, the stainless steel Indian tiffin is kind of like an 18th century Indian invention. And, uh, you know, it's kind of exploded in the West and um, which is great. And lots of um, reuse models are kind of incorporating this tiff- the tiffin and working with local uh, restaurants and things like that, which is amazing to see. Um, but kind of just going back a little bit on the history of Daba Walas and tiffin walas, um, you know, in one city alone, which is Mumbai, um, about 2 million amazing healthy home-cooked meals are delivered every day, um, employing roughly 6,000, 7,000 people or um, the Mumbai Daba walas, all without producing any waste. And um, the margin of error is at close to zero. And there are tons of case studies that have been done and documented on the different walas of Mumbai. So for me, honestly, I think um, zero waste also really embodies... Um, or circular economy and zero waste really embodies kind of this amazing employment opportunity um, to unlock all of these amazing green jobs. And for me, the Tiffin and the Dababalas are an exemplary example of
1: that. Yeah, and I feel like it's so much healthier to have food like that that's hot rather than our style over here in North America, where you just go through a drive-through and it's just so processed and there's, you know, you can, you can get whole meals without even any vegetables or fruit in it. You know, it's, uh, I feel like people are, you know, people must be a little bit healthier there in terms of of their diet. Um, but I don't know. I guess that's a weird weird assumption to make. Um, but if you're listening and you don't know what a tiffin is, so I'll try to describe it and correct me, Sarah, if I don't say it right, but it's almost like, I think it has three containers or something. So it's like a cylinder, like a tower of containers, and they all fit together really nicely so that you can put your rice in one section and then like your your curry or whatever in another section and it stays nice and hot. And then when you're ready, you can mix them. Is that a good description of a tiffin? Wow. Honestly, you're great, Laura. It's
0: um, a steel, three tile. It's this amazing kind of equipment, but also supply chain system. It's amazing. Check it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's super. It's a super good idea. Is anyone having like trouble with COVID? Because also here, um, the zero waste movement has been really difficult because a lot of places won't let you bring your cloth bags. They won't let you bring your containers. So it's been very difficult here in Canada. Um, has it changed at all in India?
0: Yeah, definitely. You're right. Um, I think there is a lot of fear, and people kind of associate um, cleanliness, you know, with something that's packaged or excessively packaged. Um, So I do think there has been um, setbacks for the zero waste movement with the pandemic. Um, But I also do think in India, we do have access to lots of fresh food and produce. And we have lots of kind of small entrepreneurs almost on their little cart, Um, you know, kind of they just wheel it across the city and kind of go to different places. So they'll go to an apartment complex and be accessible there. Um, So that means you don't have to like take that trip to the grocery store, drive your car, etc. Um, So I think that has been beneficial, but of course, it's just been a really tough time for small businesses and livelihoods across the board. Um, For example, people aren't going to offices right now, right? So the Tiffinwalas are really, you know, having a hard time, but they put out this huge crowdfunding kind of, um, you know, campaign and stuff like that. Uh, But yeah, I think there are challenges with the pandemic, but hopefully um, that we're also making few kind of strides, maybe there's less road, you know, uh, sorry, vehicles on the road. Um, and hopefully, we're kind of reducing emissions. I don't know, I'm just trying to be positive here. Uh, but definitely, overall, there's been a huge setback.
1: Yeah, it has. But if you're listening, and you find that too, in your own place where you live, um, I really just hope things will get better. I'm sure they will. And uh, just hang in there. And and recycle when you can and and just try to make the best choices, right? Because yeah, sometimes they're not good. Um, so I wanted to know what the trash and litter situation is like, because over here in North America, sometimes we see a lot of pictures of rivers filled with plastic or like rivers filled with trash. Uh, so have you ever seen anything like this in India? Or like, do you know of places where that is actually a problem?
0: Yeah, definitely. Great question. Um, so actually, you know, in India, we are confronted with our waste on a daily basis. We see it every day. It's not like we have amazing um, infrastructure systems that come and clean away your trash like almost instantaneously, like in a lot of places in the West. And of course, it really differs from state to state and city to city. But in general, it's safe to say that every Indian kind of encounters trash on a daily base. Um, Honestly it's it's really scary because we are living in the largest global garbage crisis of our lifetime. And um, I've specifically worked a lot with waste pickers. So, you know, I like to call them waste warriors, but really working with the bottom of the pyramid and kind of understanding the waste issues from a ground-up perspective. And actually, that's what got me into kind of living a more zero-waste, although-impact lifestyle. Um, and um, the conditions in which a lot of our informal communities across Asia collect and segregate our waste is um really really sad and needs you know to be really revamped um which means a lot of times you'll see people segregating you know broken glass sandy napkins all with their absolute bare naked hand um and you know I've heard stories of people oh, with their thumbs because there was broken glass there and then they didn't see it while they were trying to kind of get that high value bottle PET bottle or whatever um yeah. so you know I think uh, it's really important for us to realize that um, a lot of Asian countries really need to invest in our waste infrastructure systems. They need to be updated because a lot of times they're kind of um, bursting at it seams because, you know, the infrastructure system that was built for maybe um, 2005 hasn't been updated um, in so many years. But of course, at the same time, urbanization, people have, you know, migrated to cities um, and things like that. So there's so much that needs to happen. But also it's a huge infrastructure cost, um, a huge investment for, you know, governments, etc., to put in that, and um, with kind of the short tenure that most politicians have, um, that I think deters people or politicians from really investing in those, um, you know, huge infrastructure systems. But beyond just infrastructure, I think, um, honestly, the waste issue has lots of layered social justice issues associated with it. Um, of course, you know, incinerators or um, landfills. Um, dump sites are always kind of disproportionately located in low-income communities, whether it's in, you know, Adivasi or tribal communities, um, or, you know, socially or economically less um, powerful people in India, or even just across the world. I, I think we've seen a lot of um, countries that would basically, you know, in the past ship off all of their waste um, to China, Malaysia, India. Of course, things have kind of changed from 2018, where different countries have set precedents and said no. Um, but, it, it, you know, basically, we're trying to say that someone else's air, water is less valuable than others. So I think it's really important to be um, cognizant that actually our waste issue is so much beyond just this environmental issue or a health issue. I really do think it's a social justice issue. Um, and I think that's why we should all be even more cognizant of our waste and our privilege.
1: Yeah, totally because you know, here in the West, we don't see our garbage and I say this all the time like it's just out of sight and out of mind. You can just put anything in a bag at the end of your driveway and it will be gone and you never have to think about it. Like it's such an easy system, right? And it's almost like it's it's too easy. And so where is that going? And often yeah, it goes to like our our garbage, not mine, um but I think Toronto was sending their garbage in places in America, were sending it over to Asian countries. And, you know, this was a big thing in the news, so thank goodness it's stopping, I think, or at least slowing down. But yeah, it was all just being sent over there. And and so who's dealing with it? You know, things when you send them away, it doesn't mean that they're gone. Um, but I I, I wanted to ask you about the rivers because I love rivers and I've always wanted to go to Northern India because I know the rivers are so sacred there and they're beautiful. They come out of the Himalayas. Right. Um, and I think that they're a really big part of Indian culture and community. I think that's, I've never been to India. I love to go. Um, but that's kind of what I hear. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the rivers in India and, um, what I saw in the Amazon, for example, is that for thousands of years, people just throw stuff in the river and it goes away, right? So if you don't want your fish bones or something, you can just throw them in the river, but it's fine because it's all organic waste. But now that we have plastic and all of these garbage materials and chemicals, it's not as good to throw it in the river. So I'm wondering if people still have that mindset in some places where, hey, if I just throw this in the river, it'll go away from me and it's, it's fine. But you know, really it's ending up Downstream. So, can you just tell us a little bit about um, how the rivers are doing in in terms of waste?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, honestly, not very well, because um, a lot of people are just you know really polluting our rivers at this unprecedented rate. Um, and you know, a lot of times I think urbanization is to blame because as people kind of um, move to the cities, I think this whole idea of consuming is also kind of uh, almost aligned with this idea of um, consuming. So as you move up the social economic ladder, you can consume more. And that's kind of almost like something that's really valued in, I think, India and a lot of developing countries. Um, And I think the rivers are really kind of definitely taking a hit, Um, whether that's the Yamuna or the Ganga, which is also sacred. Um, But I also want to highlight some amazing entrepreneurs and ideas that are coming out of this. For example, there's this enterprise that takes all of the waste flowers uh, from temples, um, and kind of riverbeds and converts them into um, agarbattis and incenses, which are um, super non-polluting and smell really fragrant and are using basically, you know, a byproduct of these dried flowers. Um, and that's also something that we use to celebrate Holi, which is kind of this festival of color. Uh, if you've been to like a color marathon where, you know, there's all of this amazing color powder that's thrown at each other. We basically, there are enterprises that are using um old marigold flowers and um you know hibiscus and whatnot um to create these natural colors so i think um what we're seeing also really in india which i'm really proud of and excited about is that there are lots of amazing social impact driven businesses that are really trying to solve for our waste problem Um, and i think that's something that really gives me hope Um, while the situation is um you know dismal um that's something that really keeps me positive and excited about what's going on in the world
1: Oh, that's so great. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, there are a lot of positive things. You just have to look for it. So on this show, I do like to highlight some of the positive things because there are so many people that are really working hard at cleaning up our rivers, um, cleaning up the oceans and, you know, finding ways to either reduce trash or, like you were saying earlier, just to get rid of it properly.
2: Yeah, and also realising the changes that you've done. So throughout each chapter, we've provided uh, three individual uh, activities. The first, assessing your waste. So that could be looking, as you said, at the um, amount of products or ingredients that you might be using in the bathroom and then thinking about the resources that are around you. So what could you um, use to reduce waste? So that could be something like a bamboo toothbrush. Uh, or I know her mentioned quite a number of products uh, or organic um, items available in India that she uses for her enterprise. So things like uh, her lip balm or tooth, uh, tooth powder as well. Um, so can that be a resource? It might not be the same in Canada but um, uh, or North America, but in terms of where we're writing for, it's there. But we're also kind of inspiring people to look around no matter where you're based. So you could be based in Europe, Australia and North America, or in India and find something around you just because you're searching a little bit more and sort of understanding that you're really making progress just, first of all, by choosing to um, look for options that are going to reduce waste as well.
1: Cool. Well, this has been great. So I want to thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and for all the work that you do helping us with our waste issue. This has been great. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Laura, for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: That was Tim DeRitter and Sahar Mansour. They are the author of Bare Necessities, How to Live a Zero Waste Life. I hope everything's over soon. It's just been so horrible to see what's happening uh, to people and their businesses. And especially with waste, I find it very strange uh, that the liberals, they proposed that they were going to ban a lot of single-use plastics. And then what do we do? Well, we impose these very serious lockdowns uh, where nobody can really get food that isn't in packaging. So I can't imagine how terribly um, the garbage must have increased significantly all over the world. Like, I think it's just insane. All of the takeout food, all of the takeout packaging. My recycling has increased significantly because sometimes we get things delivered to the house. So that means we have more cardboard. We have more plastic. So I would say when I was... Really living zero waste, like before the pandemic, I would put two little recycling bins out maybe every six to eight weeks. And so now I'm putting them out every two weeks. So our recycling comes here in the community every two weeks. And uh, my bins are kind of full of recycling. Um, My garbage is still pretty good. I do put out garbage occasionally, but it's maybe once every few months. Um, And that's things like if something comes in a bubble mailer that I wasn't expecting Uh, Or something like that. Um, So we're doing pretty good with zero waste stuff still. So that's great. But you know, I just feel so bad with everything that's happening. And I also feel like it's a really bad time to bother businesses about their garbage. So I think we just need to kind of leave people alone and be happy that their businesses are surviving through all of this. But take care of yourself. Take care of your loved ones. Be nice. Be kind out there. There are a lot of people who are struggling and you don't know what they're going through. So, you know, people, they're not able to see their family. Maybe they had a grandparent pass away. Uh, they they can't do their normal sports. They can't get out for their normal uh, social visits with their friends, these sorts of things. So remember to be kind, be nice, take care of each other. And I hope that this is all over soon. Thank you for listening, everybody. Take care of yourself and have a wonderful day. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.